Drop some more of them keys. It's one nine nine Trey, so let me just play. It's Snoop Dogg, I'm on the mic, I'm back with Dr. Drake. But this time, I'ma hit your ass with a touch to leave motherfuckers in the days fucked up. So sit back, relax, new jacks get smacked. It's Snoop Doggy Dogg, I'm at the top of the stack. I don't blank for a second, and I'm still checking. The dopest motherfucker that you're hearing on the record is me. You see, S N O O P D O Double G Y, the D O Double G. I'm fly as a falcon soaring through the sky. And I'm high till I desire, desire. So check it, I get busy, I make your head dizzy. I blow up your mouth like I was dizzy. Gillespie, I'm crazy, you can't face me. I'm the S, oh yes, I'm fresh. I don't fuck with the stress. I'm all about the chronic, bionic, you see. Every single day chilling with the D-O-double G's. D-O-U-N-D, that's my clique, my crew. You fuck with us, we got to fuck you up. I thought you knew, but yet you still. You want to get real, now it's time to peel. You say chill and feel. It's your motherfucking boy, King Known Uncensored. Oh boy! We are back, we are back, and we sold your mama crack. Alright, we're gonna call this episode Fair Trade. We just gonna hop right into the main event. Y'all been patiently waiting, just like an AIDS test. What's the result? Yeah, y'all know. Alright, we ain't gonna say the whole shit. It's gonna be a quick, short show. But we gonna mostly talk about this shit though. So, the Toronto Raptors are finalizing a trade to, you know, this just already happened. I already did a live video on this. If you guys want my initial reaction to the New York Knicks and Toronto Raptors trade, I suggest you go on my King Known NBA and music talk page right you go there and you you check out my first reaction video you know it should be under the Toronto Raptors blah 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 it's basically the full details of the trade so the Toronto Raptors trade OG Ananobi Malachi Flynn Precious Achua To the New York Knicks for R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and a Pistons second round pick. Well, wow. Now, I do understand that this isn't a trade that'll rock everybody's world. But if you are into the NBA like I am, this was a good trade for both parties here. Like, how this affects New York? How does this trade affect the New York Knicks? Well, you may have lost your sixth man and quickly, but you gain OG Ananobi, who is a two-way player. 
You know, he plays well on offense, and he excels well or even better on defense. Like, he doesn't have many weaknesses at all, for real, for real. I mean, he could defend a lot of those guys in the Eastern Conference that he's, you know, he's faced up against. You know, New York Knicks need him for the Jimmy Butlers, for the Jalen Browns, the Jason Tatums, for the Damian Lillards. So OG Ananobi definitely helps the Knicks in that aspect. If Malachi Flynn can actually get some clock out there, I think that Flynn could replace Emmanuel quickly. Because Malachi Flynn can score. And he's underrated defensively. Like, I remember him in college. He was a beast. But I just feel like Toronto barely gave him opportunities to shine. And I think coming off the bench for the New York Knicks could give these guys some energy that they needed. Then Precious Achua. This is a good <clears throat> this is a good pickup for the Knicks because Mitchell Robinson's out for the year. And you know, Hartenstein is solid, but they didn't have another big man because Jericho Sims is also out. So they were very thin at center. So them adding Achua, who is an energy player, who can hit that three-point shot okay defensively. ended up getting depth and a starter who was more solid than what they gave away. Now, how does this help Toronto? I mean, RJ Barrett definitely wants to be there. He's from he's from Canada. I think he's from Toronto, so I know he's happy to be home. And Emmanuel quickly, you know, he's starting. You know, he got the start. And didn't necessarily, you know, with no practice, no nothing, then that Pistons second round pick is definitely going to come in handy because obviously they'll probably have the number one pick in the second round, hands down. But I got to look at some of the highlights. Let's start with Ananobi's debut. I mean, Ananobi ended up fouling out, which is a fact. But I watched some of their highlights in their first game with their new teams. Let's start with Ananobi. And, and this was a big, huge win. For the New York Knicks because they beat the best team in the league by record 
the, the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, 112 to 106, and OG Ananobi was a major part of that. Ananobi may have contributed just 17 points, but all of those points were at key times. And not to mention, of course, he was active on the open floor, making key defensive plays, finishing at the basket, hitting open shots, making it easy for a Jalen Brunson who had 14 assists in that game. That was OG's first action. So you got to think about that. Like, you need OG and Anobi for those deep playoff runs. Because I think he's an NBA champion, if I'm not mistaken. He was on that um, Raptors team that won the championship. Don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure he was there. And I'm sure he learned a lot from Kawhi Leonard. Because if Ananobi was there for Lebronto, I know he was there for the championship run. But anyway, let's look at quickly and um, R.J. Barrett's debuts with the Raptors. Um, you know, they ended up narrowly escaping the Cavaliers 124 to 121. And this was a huge game for Siakam, but Emmanuel quickly in a start, in his first start, like Toronto believed in him enough to start him over Dennis Schroeder, who is pretty good if you ask me. But Schroeder is at his best when he's a six man. Check the records. Yeah, quickly had 14 points his debut, he was shooting that bitch down. Then R.J. Barrett in his debut had 19 points and 9 rebounds. But if you look at the buckets that Barrett was getting, they were very simple shots. And he took what the uh, Cavaliers defense gave him. So in my opinion, I feel like the Knicks and the Raptors both won this trade based on the early results and how they fit in with their rosters. Do I think that Barrett and Quickly could save the Raptors season? I don't know. I would say that maybe get that 10 seed in the East. Maybe. The Knicks got better. The Knicks go from a team that I thought was going to be play-in bound to a team that I don't even think we'll see the play-in. I think they'll be a top six seed in the Eastern Conference. In my book. All right. Easy to block. Captain. Exposed. Remy Mine Papoose. Oh, man. I mean, I already talked about this on my year in review episode. So we just going to skip that. Yeah, we, uh, that was a crazy situation. I totally forgot I already talked about this one. 
All right, let's move on to Darvin Ham and Austin Reeves and the entire Lakers organization having internal conflict with each other because there was like an incident at practice where a fight broke out between a few of the players. I think it started with a hard foul. And then on top of that, Darvin Ham and Austin Reeves have issues. Because Darvin Ham thought that Austin Reeves was going to have a breakout season. And it turns out that Austin Reeves struggled in the early part of the season offensively. And then defensively, teams were feasting on him. You know, they would set screens and get Austin Reeves in an ISO, and they would read him for filth, basically. You know, he was being seen as a defensive liability, especially like in close games in the fourth quarter. Teams would expose him defensively. You know, he's a little slow. got slow feet he just does and teams would take advantage of Reeves being weak defensively so Darvin Ham pulled Austin Reeves and made him come off the bench and Austin Reeves is sitting there like what the fuck are you doing like why are you pulling me out the game you know and I guess their conflict started from that and it Group. Then also, you know, D'Angelo Russell and LeBron James are not seeing eye to eye either. Well, you know, it hasn't been confirmed on why they're not seeing eye to eye. But I could give you an educated guess. D'Angelo Russell feels like LeBron James controls the Lakers organization. And he's got power and cachet. But some of the Lakers, you know, he, he D'Angelo sees uh D'Angelo be seeing how LeBron and Rich Paul be operating. Like they be low-key tampering. You know, they went over there and talked to Zach Levine. Clear tampering. But of course, since it's LeBron James, you know, they're not going to charge him or Rich Paul with tampering. They're the Golden Boys. They got the golden ticket. Like Charlie and the the Chocolate Factory. You know what I'm saying? So, I got a feeling that, you know, Bron doesn't want D'Angelo Russell on the Lakers anymore. And then D'Angelo Russell got benched during some points of the season, which is mind-boggling. I don't know what Darvin Ham is doing, but a lot of people are petitioning him to get fired. And it's just like a heap of shit going on, especially when the Lakers fell off, because at some point in the season, they were a top three team in the West. You know, I had them possibly being second in the West. And currently, as it stands right now, I believe that they are either ninth in the West or tenth 
So it's just a lot going on with the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, man. Jesus is real. (laughs) The Detroit Pistons finally win a fucking basketball game. It's been long overdue, and it's about damn time. As the Pistons, I believe, you know, they defeated the Toronto Raptors the other day. It was it. That shit went up to 28 games. Wow, that was a 28-game losing streak that the Pistons snapped against the Raptors. Toronto ought to be ashamed of themselves. Now, I do understand that Toronto was shorthanded. I get it. But that's no excuse. Detroit's the worst team in the league. It's no excuses for how Toronto lost to Detroit the other night. Toronto need they ass whooped. For losing to a Pistons team that find many different ways to lose games every night. They ought to be embarrassed with themselves. So let's move on to the next story here. Tyrese Halliburton stood on business with Wally World. If you're unfamiliar with who Wally World is, that's Wally Serbiak. He's a former NBA player, most known for his tenure as one of Kevin Garnett's role players back in the day. He was solid. I like Wally World as a ball player. But as an analyst, he looked pretty bad in this situation. He was looking like Skip Bayless in this situation. So if you're unfamiliar with what happened between Tyrese Halliburton and Wally Zerbiak, let's go back. I think this was a year ago. This was a year ago. You know, he was talking about certain New York Knicks that should make the all-star team, right? And, you know, Tyrese Halliburton's, he felt like uh, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle should have made the all-star team, which is a uh, good argument for that time period because the New York Knicks was balling, but he made some disparaging comments about Tyrese Halliburton, who in the first half of that season had Indiana in contention. He had the Indiana Pacers in playoff contention. And he and he called Tyrese Halliburton a fake all-star. I was like, wow. Tyrese remembered those comments. And during a game, he you know, during a game, I think I believe it was against the Knicks. I think the Pacers won that game. Tyrese Halliburton shot him a dirty look. And then Tyrese Pops gonna come over there and talk shit to Wally. And Wally Serbiak ended up apologizing. He he better. Cause he fucked up bad by calling this dude a fake all-star. When y'all know when he fucking improved. 
and now is playing at a high level. And then Wally Serviak changed his tune and called him a rising superstar. You see, kids, all you got to do is show and prove when people don't think much of you. All you got to do is show and prove and shit on them hating ass niggas. Uncle Murder. Uncle Murder dropped his yearly wrap up. And he had a <laughs> yo Dre. Uncle Murder had something to say. And the crazy part about this is he had two parts. He divided it into two parts. I'm pretty sure he got some backlash about the previous wrap-ups being too long. Let's let's look at some lyrics. Let's see what Uncle Murder had to talk about. Crazy, crazy, shit, crazy. Crazy, crazy, shit, crazy. Wow, so the lyrics of part one have not yet been released? That fucking blows. Alright, let's look at this article. So he ended up talking about Blueface and Krishan Rock and Offset and Cardi B situation. Now he had some interesting comments about Jamie Foxx that make you think a little bit. You know, basically Uncle Murder accused Jamie Foxx of hitting that fentanyl and that caused that reaction that he had. Because we had all wondered, like, what happened to Jamie. And that was wild. Then, of course, he talked about how, you know, Andre 3000, whack-ass, flute, fruity-booty-ass shit. Then he talked about the Lizzo lawsuits. That was classic. Talked about Kiki Palmer and Darius Jackson. Remy and Pap. Those are... Two people that he he definitely knows. Then he talked about he doesn't know if he wanted to listen to Gunna's album due to the fact that he don't know if he a rat or not. He wasn't sure because Lil Baby and him had a falling out. Then, of course, he talked about Sexy Red. Oh, my God. Classic. I mean, he said that, you know, it's cool for her to shake her ass, but that porno was whack. Then, of course, he talked about Jada, Jada Pinkett, oh my 
goodness. Then, of course, Tory Lanez, which I forgot to talk about, but I already talked about that on a previous episode. I mean, on the previous year-end wrap-up as well. That's crazy that the lyrics have not come out for this. As fast as that shit happens. Then, of course, the wrap-up part two. Puffy was the main target. You know, he questioned, like, why is Cassie suing you? And why, you know what I'm saying, did you pay her off so quickly? Then, you know, he... Continue to attack Jada Pinkett on here. Great. I don't have no problem with that. Then he, you know, he bought up Keefy D. Him telling the world about every motherfucking thing. And then, you know, he bought up T.I. and Tiny shit. And then, you know, he can't, you know, allegedly he's a he's dropping the third part of the wrap-up. Oh, yeah, this is what he had to say about Sexy Red. Sexy Red made a sex tape, and I saw it. I think she got pregnant while she was getting recorded, and I heard she said she got chlamydia twice. That bitch ratchet. Let me try to give that little girl some advice. It's okay to shake your ass and put your hands on your knees, but put a condom on to avoid catching STDs. Your pussy pink and your bully hole brown. Are you serious? Little girls shouldn't be listening to that shit, period. That's That was a great line. That was real. And then also, did y'all see that group of little girls singing that Drake song and, with Sexy Red? Hey, yo. And on heroin, where were the parents at? And look where it's at, little America. Now it's a tragedy. Now it's so sad to see. Yo, who the fuck raising these little kids? That's first off. Like, that shit is fucking wild, in my opinion. Somebody gotta call CPS on them motherfuckers, man. You know, Sexy Red, hopefully, you know, her message is not geared towards little girls. She, Sexy Red, is just entertaining people. And then half of these females, you know what I'm saying, they aren't what they say they are. And a lot of them have come out, you know, like Lotto, you know, she's come out and said, like, I don't do all the things that I do in my lyrics. That shit seemed to be going around, by the way. You know, Cardi B had a line, like, I don't cook, I don't clean. That's a lie. She'd been on live cooking and cleaning. Sexy Red, from what I saw, her her pussy is not pink and her booty hole is not brown, ladies and gentlemen. But, um... Yeah, man. Crazy, crazy shit. Crazy. I can't wait for part three of the wrap-up so that I could exp- 
so I could break that shit down. All right, let's talk tonight's games. We haven't done this in a while. I mean, I've been focused on other things, other more important topics, but we can get to tonight's games, though. Let's look at the Bulls and the 76ers. I caught a little, little, little half, a little piece of this joint, and it wasn't much to look at because, you know what I'm saying, the score was a lot worse than what it ended up being as the Philadelphia 76ers defeated the Chicago Bulls 110-97. to As DeMar DeRozan had 16 points, Andre Drummond had 11 points, 17 rebounds. Much ado about nothing as usual. Kobe White had 14 points. Ayo Dosumo had 15 points off the bench. But Philadelphia's firepower. Three players scoring over 20 points. Tobias Harris had 20 points and 8 rebounds. Joel Embiid fucked around and got a triple-double. I told you, if he started doing jokish things... Like this, he'd win MVP because he could do everything. There's not one thing that Embiid cannot do. It's just not. Kelly Oubre had 16 points. Tyrese Maxey had 21 points. and five assists. This was just clearly a complete game by the Sixers roster. You know, I think they was up as many as like 25, 26 points and they ended up chopping it down to 13. The Bulls backups did better than the starters. We got another finished one. As the New Orleans Pelicans destroyed the Brooklyn Nets 112 to 85. Damn, what happened to Virgil? Miles Bridges, 13 points. Dayron Sharp, 12 points, 9 rebounds. Cam Johnson, 17 points. Not much to say here, but however, New Orleans, 7 niggas in double figures. You had Jordan Hawkins with 11 points off the bench. Jose Alvarado had 13 points off the bench. Just pretty balanced scoring by the Pelicans. This shit kind of ended early from what I see. I mean, you had C.J. McCollum with 16 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. Herb Jones, 14 points. Jonas Valley and Shunis, 11 points, 12 rebounds. Zion Williamson, 10 points. Brandon Ingram, 12 points. This was a complete fucking slaughter. In my opinion. Alright. Let's move on to this other game. A couple games just finish real quick. Let's see what we got here. All right. 
the Memphis Grizzlies defeated the San Antonio Spurs 106-98. As Victor Wimbanyama had 20 points and 7 rebounds. And Keldon Johnson had 19 points and 6 rebounds off the bench. John Morant, 26 points, 5 rebounds, 10 assists. Pretty well-rounded game for Big Ja. Pause. Or for 12, I should say. Uh, Desmond Bain, 24 points. Santi Aldama, 13 points, 11 rebounds. Luke Kennard, 12 points. A lot of people are calling this one the game of the year, and this was really entertaining. Okay, see, Thunder. I knew they were going to get better with the addition of Chet Holmgren, but damn. I didn't know they was going to shoot out of a cannon. I thought they was going to be maybe a top six or seven seed in the West. These niggas are beating up on teams that are somebody. This is the best team in the league. As the Oklahoma City Thunder defeated the Boston Celtics 127 to 123, Jason Tatum, 30 points, 13 rebounds, 8 assists. Christoph Porzingis, 34 points, 10 rebounds. Derek White, 19 points. Jalen Brown shot an abysmal 4 of 18, 0 of 8 from 3. Just awful. It's supposed to be the 300, oh, $300 million man. Supposed to be the $300 million man and shit. Like, that's a lot. Shea Gilgis Alexander, 36 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. Josh Giddy, 23 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Chad Hongo, 14 points. Jalen Williams, 16 points. This is a pretty damn good game, if you ask me. Move on to the next game. We got the Charlotte Hornets defeating the Sacramento Kings 111 to 104. Wow. Without LaMelo or Gordon Hayward. That's crazy, bro. You got. Miles Bridges with 27 points. Terry Rozier, 34 points, 6 assists. And P.J. Washington, 17 points off the bench. On Sacramento's side, De'Aaron Fox, 30 points. 5 rebounds, 6 assists. Demonis Sabonis, 23 points, 19 rebounds, 4 assists. But... They did not get no help from anybody else. Let's look at this last game as Steph Curry was in pure Steph Curry form as the Golden State Warriors defeated the Orlando Magic 121 to 115.
Paolo Banchero had 27 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. Franz Watner had 25 points. And Mo Watner had 12 points off the bench. Golden State Warriors had seven niggas in double figures. But Steph Curry at 36 points, six assists, four steals. Yeah, Steph was in full effect mode yesterday. Pure form. Jonathan Kaminga had 19 points. Klay Thompson actually showed up. He had 15 points. Alright, I was debating on whether I wanted to talk about this or not, but I'm a little bit behind on the music, so I wanted to give y'all my reviews because there are three projects that I didn't get to that I didn't get to check out until later on. But since we already here, and all three of these albums are relatively short, I guess we'll get we'll give you some give you some music before we get up out of here. So, I'm trying to remember. Okay. So, West Side Gun and Conway the Machine and The Alchemist dropped the sequel to Hall of Nash 2. But here's the kicker, though. This was supposed to be released in 2017. But however... I guess they picked December 29th to put this out for the world to hear. So let's get into it. It's only nine tracks. Introduction, Conway the Machine bodies this, and West Side Gun just talks at the end. Rey Mysterio was fire. Fork in the Pot with Schoolboy Q. This was amazing. Like, these three niggas just... Man. Michelangelo was cool. 94 Ghost Shit is vintage Griselda sound. Pete versus Andre was cool. Fucking Get High is definitely one of my favorites. Judas was was okay. All the Nash 2 was okay. All in all, <clears throat> this project was supposed to be released in 2017. The reason as to why it never came out they didn't say but they decide it was in the vault and i guess it was our time to hear hall and nash too but this is a really good project of course griselda didn't miss back in 2017 so why would you expect nothing less all right bun b released trill static three also, 
on Friday. I mean, actually, no. It was released on December 22nd. But fuck it, we here now. Welcome back. This was cool. Trill Zelda with Benny the Butcher and Rome Streets was out of control. Set in Stone featuring JFK and Method Man was fire. We got a problem, Houston, with Bodie James and Paul Wall. This was cool. Super Legends with Nims and Smith and Wesson. That was pretty surprising, I'm not going to lie. Outside featuring me and Jay, Millie's and Propane. Yo, Propane killed this, his verse. And I love this song. Day in the Life featuring Coda the Friend and, and Talib Kweli was okay. Focused on the M's featuring Flea Lord and Terminology. This was cool. Big Shit featuring Luca and UFO Fev was mid. It was I. Yeah. Generational Wealth with CJ Fly and Lord Skull was dope. And Memory Of featuring Cal Wayne and TF was fire. Speak Easy featuring Graf and Neek the Skits was okay. Vegas Lights with Smoke Dizza and Wise P was dope as fuck. Down For You featuring Halle Supreme and Bun B was fire. Same thing, I mean, oh, uh, All Night Thing featuring Janelle and Sam J. Uh, this was just Sam J talking and Janelle singing in the background. All in all, Trill Static 3. Um, This was still as good as the other two, but I'm going to be honest. This may be <clears throat> the weakest of the three. But it's still solid. Despite it was, you know, but all of the Trill Statics had a lot of guests on it. So, <clears throat> sorry, I'm clearing my throat so much. Sheesh. All right, the last, bruh, I am dead as fuck right now. <clears throat> all right, Paisley Dreams. Let's talk about it. So. <clears throat> the game showed up to the studio one day with Hit Boy and Big Hit to do one song. It was just one song. And all of a sudden, throughout that day, they continued to do songs. And then a nine track project was created and cultivated. So the game, Big Hit, and Hit Boy ended up releasing a nine-track project together called Paisley Dreams. And, you know, the game and Big Hit are both blood-affiliated, or, well, they're both bloods, allegedly, but you know, whatever. I mean, I guess. I never knew Big Hit was a blood. That's just my uh, thoughts on that, but let's get into the project, though. Back Fade was fire. Definitely enjoyed that. Paisley Dreams was dope too. 
Pussy Fiction featuring Hit Boy. This is fire. Or P Fiction, I should say. Bang Freestyle. This was okay. This was the track in, in question that they were supposed to record together, but ended up being an entire album. Cutthroat featuring T-Fly. This was cool. The Game Won't Stop is fire. And my favorite song on the album, Crisis with Dom Kennedy, was dope as hell. Happy Rue Year was fire. Body for Body was a little extreme, but a, a weird way to close this project out. All in all, Paisley Dreams was a pretty solid project. Not gonna hold you. I definitely enjoyed it, man. Alright, guys. Um, I appreciate y'all for uh, coming through, checking out this episode. This your boy, Keenone Uncensored. Fair trade, and I'm gone.